welcome to Feminists Without Mystique, a podcast where we process politics, sex, and the unrelenting firehose of bullshit in the news through an unapologetically feminist lens. Each week, we begin by venting about the news, go deep on one important issue, call out terrible things happening below the top headlines in a segment called We See You, and then we'll end with something hopeful. And as always, a reminder to, if you want to give us money, for equipments and things, uh, Kofi, K-O-F-I. Uh, if you want to tell people about us, do that. Um, if you want to lurk us on social media, uh, FWM Podcast on Insta and Feminist Without Mystique on Twitter. And uh, here we are. Here we are. Another yeah. day. Yeah. Another Another day, another week of completely crazy news that had me feeling all kinds of ways. Another shooting, um, as you told me via, you had texted me, um, like, oh, we should mention the Louisville shooting, and I hadn't even heard about it yet. And that's where we are, where it's like, oh, wait. And I was like, wait, which one? Like, have I heard about this? You know? Yeah. And it's like they happen so frequently that, like, it doesn't stop the news and also you don't you have to stop and think like oh have i heard about this one yeah bank shooting five people killed eight wounded 25 year old man said he was suicidal to someone um i guess beforehand but because kentucky doesn't have any red flag laws um in place like no one could really do anything to step in he legally purchased the rifle um and like i think so far we don't have a um a motive but yeah um pretty just like just another you know another shooting um there have been how many like i think like i mean over a hundred mass shootings in this country so far this year we talked about it yeah. last week. I just forget what the statistic yeah. is. I think last week it was like 132. Um, so at this point, higher than that. Um, and this, I guess the person who committed this shooting was an employee of the bank. And his mom called the bank to warn or called the police to warn them. Um, but it was already underway. Because <sighs> I guess his roommate told her or something like that. Um and they don't know exactly what happened, but there's like a theory that he was targeting coworkers, or and he used an AR-15. I, you know, as usual. I mean, I don't know how many times we we bring these things up, and I I, I run out of things to say, but it, it, it's it's enraging. And Kentucky has some of the most regressive, or I suppose people would say like most conservative, gun laws in the country. I saw that someone described them as ghoulish and I was thinking like, yeah, you know, they're mm-hmm. really, it's pretty gruesome. And I saw something when, when I was just looking into this again, like I think that the, the gun that was used is actually going to be able to be sold, like resold again in Kentucky. Wow. NPR, uh, a quote, absurd law will put the Louisville gu- shooter's gun back on sale. The mayor says Louisville has a democratic mayor. There's now hopefully a push to have do something on on gun control in Kentucky to at least make it slightly. And Dem- Kentucky also has a democratic governor, Andy Bashir, who also said really sadly, like he had a statement that was like that he lost close friends in the shooting. Um, and he banks with 
where this tragedy occurred. I'm forgetting what the bank's name was, but he banks with them. But as far as like having this auction law, which um, basically allows the gun to be <laughs> sold resold that's just that is gruesome that is ghoulish that's so unnecessary i mean we obviously gun control has to go way far past that but could we could we not have that (laughs) that's fucked i I was reading today that more than 50 percent of americans have been like personally impacted by gun violence um and yeah it's not which is not surprising when you think about how frequently we hear about them and how frequently they happen and we don't even hear about them. And this, and this one, um, there was like a police officer who was like on his like fourth shift and was shot in the head, um, by this guy. And he, at last time I read, he was, um, in the hospital, but obviously in critical condition. Awesome. So, yeah really really awful um guns guns. no more please they're bad (laughs) hot take but actually it is it is quite a take i know it is apparently it's a take it's a take um but moving to a neighboring state tennessee has had a lot of um lot of national press recently after their mass shooting that happened um, at, at a school two weeks ago in protesting gun violence. Uh, there were two state representatives affectionately now called like the Justins, but Justin Jones um, of Nashville and Justin J. Pearson also of Nashville who led a protest, like a gun control po- protest on the house floor last week and then were expelled by the Tennessee's house of representatives because the GOP has a super majority there. They didn't vote representative Gloria Johnson, who's white, a white lawmaker from Knoxville also was part of the protest. She was not expelled by one vote. Um, and I think just pretty clear. This is like just, It's a racial thing, obviously, obviously, but now both of those uh, state representatives as of, I think today, I think it's like as of today, which is Wednesday, they are both back in the legislature. Thank goodness. But they were expelled, which left Nashville with no, like left tens of thousands of people, I think even up to a hundred thousand people without representation actively. Um, And people have pointed out that, representatives um like expelling people from the house of representatives in tennessee like almost never happens and if it does it's because of like gross unethical conduct so expelling these two state legislators um for participating in a protest um which by the way the context there is not that they were it's just that they were demanding that there be a discussion on gun control (laughs) and the GOP was just like, we are not talking about that. And it's like, well, there was just a shooting in my district and I demand mm-hmm. we talk about it. And this is how, this is sometimes this type of civil disobedience or protest is how you get people to notice you and how you get the issue moved forward. And if they weren't going to talk about it um, because it wasn't beneficial to them, 
um, something had to be done. So I'm full support. I'm in full support of these two legislators um, and the way that they conducted themselves. And um, I think it was like disgusting that they were uh, expelled for that. And it just shows like how cowardly um, and hypocritical the GOP is and the supermajority in Tennessee is just like, it just is gross. Um, so that's, I don't know. The yeah. Daily had a good um, like explainer on everything, I think, yesterday, too, if people want to check that out. Yeah, it's super scary um, that you can be, you know, expelled from that for protesting. I mean, yes, they're back in, but like, mm, it's racist, <laughs> it's anti-protest, it's a lot of bad things. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I, like, I got chills, like, hearing the audio from that hearing because it seems like the protesters generally, because a lot of people showed up on Friday just to, like, be in the session, the legislative session, to watch it, and they were silent pretty much. There was pretty much decorum. Decorum was followed basically until the lawmakers were voted to be ejected, and then Mm -hmm. there was total mayhem and um an uproar and that w- and then they had to recess like the um and that was kind of i don't know it's just powerful it's like people know how to be silently protesting or be passionately participating in democracy because they care about you know they care about the process and also they care about trying to have some sort of accountability on gun control um or gun you know trying to curb gun violence um but when there's something like so grossly unjust like this happening from, um, you know, the majority stifling the minority in a very racist way, um, the the outcry from the room like was powerful. Should we hop on our yacht and mention <sighs> Clarence Thomas? Uh, yes. <laughs> Fancy boy, Claire, Claire. Oh, I'm supposed to tell you about this? Oh, my fucking God. Yeah, he, uh, Mr. Clarence Thomas, apparently has gone more than 20 years without disclosing that he's been receiving, like, luxury. Like, when I say luxury, like, half a million dollar um, trips every year from a conservative billionaire in Texas. Um... So he he thought he he said he thought he didn't have to. Yeah. But but now he says I'll do it now. Yeah. I'll let you know. Yeah. <sighs> Oops, I didn't know. I feel Oof. like if you're a Supreme Court justice, like oopsie i didn't know the law is kind of like mm, we're good we're just gonna we're cool with this are we gonna mm. we're gonna let that slide we're gonna let that slide yeah. his statement was pretty pathetic and i thought it was really interesting that he even responded at all um it felt like an admission of guilt it felt like he doth protest too much basically that he would even respond. Um, His statement said, early in my tenure at the court, I sought guidance from colleagues and others in the judiciary and was advised that this sort of personal hospitality from close personal friends who did not have business before the court was not reportable. 
I have endeavored to follow that counsel throughout my tenure and have always sought to comply with the disclosure guidelines. Uh, Just as a note, the guy, the billionaire from Texas, Harlan Crow, I have a lot to say about him, but just on this point about not having business before the court, he, this man is 73 and since 2006 has been a trustee of the Supreme Court Historical Society, which is a charity that asks for annual contributions of $5,000 or more to further its mission of preserving the court's history and educating the public. He's also a trustee of the George W. Bush Presidential Library Foundation and gave $500,000 to a group that ran advertisements to build public support for George W. Bush's Supreme Court picks. Um, It's not that he and his firm have specifically had a case before the Supreme Court during Justice Thomas's time there, Um, but he is very entwined with conservative uh, policy making and he, he's a billionaire who gives a lot of money, uh, to a lot of conservative causes. And of course he's just a lot of, there's a lot of soft power that you would hold if you are literally every summer putting the justice on your super yacht, flying him around, him and his family around. Like, you don't have to explicitly do anything. This is a pretty obvious conflict of interest. It, you're supposed to, Supreme Court justices are supposed to disclose gifts over $50. So this is yeah. not just like a misunderstanding one time. This is not people leaping on one little thing. Ooh, he forgot mm-hmm. that he had a fancy dinner that got paid for by Harlan Crow. No, 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 sir. You have had decades of being lavishly treated, you unethical fucking monster. You shouldn't have even been on the court in the first place. You shouldn't have, like, we, you know, like, <laughs> you, your wife is an insurrectionist who is pressuring people in and outside of the Trump administration to overturn the results of a Democratic election She's a kooky kook badook, and kook he's badook. not withdrawing himself from any cases that come up about election interference or Dominion with Fox. Like, this man is a grade A asshole, and he's unethical. He sh- there should be an inquiry, and we should absolutely put new guidelines up, up on the Supreme Court about exactly what needs to be disclosed and there should just be like way more um scrutiny over this because i just i find this like grotesque yeah where's the ethical oversight um in this that is it because like other supreme court justices do disclose Mm -hmm. you know even neil fucking neil neely g <laughs> Nearly G. Just yeah, just closed a five hundred dollar fishing round. Um, Sonia Sotomayor's uh, Sonia Sotomayor has disclosed <laughs> stuff. Um, I wonder. I'm curious about Mr. Kavanaugh, but uh, oh, funny you should mention Mr. Kavanaugh because we still don't know. He's been who... in some trouble. <laughs> he, oh, he's been in some trouble again. Understatement of the fucking century, Mr. I drank beer. But, like, he, someone, and we still don't know who, right before he was confirmed, when it, when he was the name that was, like, 
that came up as the confirmation um, or during his before his confirmation hearings in 2018, someone paid off his over $200,000 in debt for fucking baseball tickets. Like this man had $200,000 plus in baseball ticket debt and someone paid it off. And like, we don't know who it was. It was never disclosed. LOL. I feel this is something that is of public interest and mm-hmm. all, another thing that another Kavanaugh thing that's offensive to me, but like, I, I can't deal with this. Like these ethical there, it's so unethical, so deeply, um, <laughs> like it's, it's undemocratic. I mean, like it's rich people getting to like buy off Supreme court justices. And like, mm-hmm. we don't know who it was with Kavanaugh, but with Car- Harlan Crow. Can I just take a moment to like tell take you a, a couple things? Or like tell us about it. Like uh, this fucking undemocratic but very American situation we find ourselves in. Ooh, oh, she went there. Oh, she went there. Okay. So this man, he's a GOP mega donor, but he also collects a lot of Nazi memorabilia. Mm, like that's what hobby. he does. <laughs> he has on display at his Dallas mansion two Hitler paintings, a signed copy of Mein Kampf, and swastika-embossed linens. Why? what? Why do you have that? What? He also has, like, uh, a bunch of stuff from the Antebellum South, (laughs) which Mm. some people call Americana and other people call a huge fucking red flag. Um, (laughs) Like... Uh, he explains this as saying that uh, this is a, quote, historical nod to the facts of man's inhumanity to man. Mm. I don't know what that means. And I don't think I accept that. (laughs) I just have all this, like, Nazi stuff to remind me that, like, Nazis are bad. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. normal things. Normal things people do. Yeah. You know, why are you keeping Nazi artifacts in your house? Yeah, signed Mein Kampf. Like, mm. And pictures of Hitler, like portraits of Hitler. I just. Yeah. I mean, I feel like this man is shady. I mm. don't feel like you need. There's not a whole lot of like. I don't know what what is acceptable here. Like what what's an acceptable? There's no excuse for that. I come on. Yeah, I don't. I, I feel like we're gonna find out more and more about this guy. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's gonna be some like Netflix documentary come out in two years. You know. Yeah. Yeah. He pro- I feel like like he probably has like a tiger or something. You know. Oh, I'm sure. Um. I, I'm just like scrolling through to just like, yeah, this is just um, the New York Times has a lot of stuff on this, but uh, yeah, you know he he seems like uh, an asshole. He's a great American asshole from Dallas, um, and the billionaire. That's where the that's who should have all the money. Yeah, I mean, guys no like wonder. that. Honestly, like, no wonder 
when something comes up to the court where it's like, should we scrutinize wealth and regulations on people's wealth and their power and their ability mm -hmm. to, and should we fund the IRS so that they can actually like investigate tax fraud by the wealthy in the, in the amount that it's happening? And like, should we look into all of the ways in which like different wealthy people are have their own little like fiefdoms and monopolies and they just like wield all this hard and soft power like the conservative arguments for keeping things like deregulated and like quote unquote strict scrutiny like only what was written at the time and like what did like literally just George Washington and the founders think at the time they were thinking it like they're all excuses and like it's all um, or or it, it makes me not want to give any of those arguments any sort of intellectual credence or seriousness because I feel like there there's Clarence Thomas who who is a good writer um, and he's back justifying his uh, decisions that are universally beneficial to the one the wealthiest one percent or point zero 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 one percent in this case um and i think it's like malpractice uh to try to justify like i think it's malpractice to basically be someone writing decisions on like the highest court in the country um when you obviously just like are bought off you fucking asshole <laughs> yep yeah what uh what means anything anymore you know i don't know yeah shall we <sighs> scoot on over to scoot, uh scoot. <laughs> Mifa Pristone. is it is it okay because i was just like i don't know is it mifaprostone there, I don't know how to it's pronounced so many different ways by different people and that i looked up like what when i google like how do you pronounce it it says Mephapristone. Interesting. Mephapristone. Which is not in, yeah, which is not intuitive to me at all. So no. we'll, we'll call it that. We'll call it Mephapristone. We'll call it what, well, if we say a word that sounds kind of like that, um, we're talking about the first drug in a two drug protocol um, that is used commonly in early um, abortion uh, before 10 weeks, typically. Um it blocks progesterone, um, which is some you need that to sustain a pregnancy. It softens uterine lining. It it basically sets the stage for the next drug to kick in and um, cause the uterine contractions and um, end the pregnancy. Um, it's also used for uh, miscarriage management, and it's used um, for a couple other non-reproductive health-related things. Um, it's literally one of the most studied medications that exists. It's like up there with ibuprofen. Um, it's been used in more than 600 clinical trials, published ones, including more than 420 randomized control studies, which are, those are the good studies. Uh, <laughs> and it's just, it is a, a, it is widely known to be safe. Uh, Viagra has higher complication rates. Um, however, <laughs> hmm, despite this, um, a far right Trump appointed judge flag, because mm -hmm. we've, I feel like we've, 
bitched before about uh, the importance <laughs> of uh, who's in power when it comes to electing judges. I feel like we've, you know, we may have, we may, we may have, we may have <laughs> brought that up in the in the past. Um, but uh, this guy, um, this guy, this guy, in ignoring science and just really blatantly blatantly ignoring science and pretending it's about like women's health oh that's the worst part which is a part that makes me want to strangle him not a threat i'm not gonna do it um but you're not the thought police out there all right uh what makes yeah that's what part of what makes it so infuriating is he's he's citing women's health basically um, as the reason why they need to block access to um, to this drug nationwide. Um, so I guess the ruling has stayed for a week to give the federal government a chance to appeal um, to a very conservative <laughs> appeals court, which is probably going to uh, side with the original decision mm-hmm. um so this is very scary obviously um paving the way to more infringement on reproductive rights and trying and if this went you know countrywide i mean anywhere it's awful it's like this is like i said it's also used for miscarriages even if it's only used for abortions Mm-hmm. It is a safe, approved drug, and abortion is legal many places, and it should be everywhere. Um, and this is a feels like beyond an overreach. Um, it's pretty terrifying, and I mean, you can use the second um, drug in the in the series that starts with mifepristone <laughs> can be used on its own in multiple doses um, to deliver an abortion but it's um it has a lot more side effects and things like that so and it's also like if this comes to be eventually (laughs) all medication abortions um would would go that way um it's not like they do this and then stop Mm -hmm. um and if they if they're successful in making it so that you can't mail things or send things across state lines like abortion pills or whatever it's like where does it stop because mm-hmm. it's abortion clinics don't make their own medication they don't make their own um equipment mm-hmm. um so then you get to like essentially an abortion a na- like a nationwide abortion ban um if that were to happen because it would take a while to set up these elaborate factories that included clinics and you know like it's not mm-hmm. well uh, and people who would have otherwise had a very safe abortion um mm-hmm. using mifeprostone and misoprostol would then have to turn to a surgical abortion which is mm-hmm. which does have a higher risk of complication than the using this combination of drugs um, mm-hmm. Still very safe, still very safe, to be clear, just mm-hmm. has a higher rate. It, you're then you're dealing with like you're just doing something different. And um, and obviously that's just the people who are going to be able to access a clinic 
and a physician legally, then there are all the people who are going to turn to um, the to towards illegal or or unsafe, unsanctioned um, means, which they yeah. will do. <laughs> Yeah, and it's like it's also some people choose medication abortion because they want to be at home. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like they don't want to be in like it, it these medications exist, the surgical intervention exists. People should be able to choose which of these two options they want to choose. Um regardless of what Matthew thinks. <sighs> This is a this is a huge this is a huge deal. This drug uh this undermining of this FDA uh assessment that the drug is safe I mean, is really significant in terms of its reach and how what the consequences potentially could be if this makes its way to the Supreme Court and they side with Matthew. <laughs> Nat. I'm just going to call him Nat. Um this is uh the drug has been approved for 23 years um it's kind of like row in the sense that it feels like something that we all sort of well we didn't all take it for granted but a lot of people who tried to minimize women's concerns about uh the Trump administration, about all the judges he was appointing, about the way the Supreme Court was going. I mean, look, we are facing the con- we are now in the consequence phase. We fucked around. We are in the finding mm-hmm. out phase of this. Yeah. <laughs> and it is going very badly for women and for people with uteruses. It's not it is not um, this will kind of like how gun violence directly touches 50 percent of the population. I feel pretty comfortable non-scientifically saying that if mifeprostin is um, banned and and, you know, what's to stop misoprostol from getting banned? So, I mean, honestly, like, where does it end? But if, if these drugs are banned um, and women are unable to access them legally, uh, this the issue of abortion will directly impact every single American, like, or like 95% of Americans or something, because, and if, if it doesn't impact you, it's probably just because no one fucking trusted to tell you, like it, it impacts, it will impact everyone because this is something that like, we live in 2023. We are, we safe, legal abortions are, are, are a way that people can, not only access autonomy, but like save their, save their own lives, save the lives. Like this is, this is very, very bad. Um, and scary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you have in Washington state, Mm -hmm. um, a very different thing happening where state district judge, um, Thomas O. Rice issued an opinion in a separate, um, lawsuit uh, related to Mifepristone one day, uh, <laughs> which brought by 17 states and the District of Columbia, um, trying to bar the FDA from taking any action that would make it unavailable in those jurisdictions. So um, they're trying to basically make it so that it has to be available. Um, and... Uh, yeah, well, it's it's interesting to see these two local, I mean, 
Matt is a federal district, but he's a district, you know, like it's mm-hmm. interesting to see these sort of local or localish <laughs> um, yeah. rulings that would have federal nationwide ramifications. Um, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. I, it kind of makes you think like the power of these district court judges to, to mm-hmm. halt nationwide i mean it's it makes me think of the judge and i think in florida who halted the um like the federal ban mask mask mandate ban Mm -hmm. like these judges even though they're in their smaller potatoes they have a lot of power um Mm -hmm. and they can really the type of overreach is so as usual insanely hypocritical because like most conservatives would say that they don't they want to have limited intervention they don't want to they want the legislatures and and regulatory authorities and the president to um, make laws make decisions and they will decide like um, you know if it's if they're sued whether or not they're within the letter of the law Mm -hmm. Um, and this is like and they're against overreach they're against like making up new stuff (laughs) um new laws new precedents and this is like someone reaching his grubby little hands into uh what feels like the equivalent of like a super um super precedent or um what was is it super precedent i i forget the term that but basically like this is pretty settled um medical knowledge that this is like a safe way to access an abortion um and it's just another way to uh control women (laughs) and like it's just gonna lead to um so much I I really I mean I feel like it's gonna lead to like a lot of just violence against women, like infections and death and complications that are life altering. Um, Mm -hmm. And for a party that is minimal intervention and pro family, (laughs) like you guys, like never, ever, ever, you know, (laughs) um, There's lots of writings that are talking about all these different horror stories um, in gynecology and obstetrics basically right now across the country. Um, you could subscribe to Jessica Valenti has like a newsletter called Abortion, Every Day. Um, there are um, reports like reports recently of like horrific pregnancies that have ended really badly for both wem- mother, women and baby um, in Florida. Like. There are all these six-week abortion bans that are going in or all total all-out bans. Like, just check out – you can check out Planned Parenthood or um, Center for Reproductive um, Rights. There's just, like – this is, like, an all-out war that's happening, and um, it's uh, – it's just like really, really aggressive. And this is, this is, this feels like the most aggressive step since Dobbs, since Roe was overturned mm-hmm. last year. I don't know. How, how do you feel about that? Like, is that an overstatement? I don't think so. Um, this feels, it, it just feels like in so many, 
facets we are like ramping up toward like not to sound like tinfoil hattie but like civil war type vibes like Mm -hmm. just seeing the the depth and the breadth of some of this shit and like other issues like thinking about other issues like attacks on trans rights um i'm uh quite quite nervous um because it doesn't feel like it's gonna be going away it feels like things are ramping up but then maybe you know what maybe as generations continue to shift and whatnot i don't know it's i can i can see it going either way either like all out apocalypse Mm -hmm. or a lot of shit before things become okay uh but yeah. um, no, I don't think that's an overstatement. This this feels like a very big moment. Definitely, it's um, it's also being you know it's opposed by, I think all the major medical associations. Yeah. It's opposed oh, yeah. by pharmaceutical companies. I mean, probably mm-hmm. for cynical reasons because like they want the money but still um it's opposed it's opposed by like pretty much every everyone who matters who's like an authority on you know public health and and um you know just actual medical experts who are who should be the people that we would consult for these things so um the experts it the results are in and um everyone with a brain hates this (laughs) yeah Uh, I feel like there's going to be a lot more to say about it, but like, I'm just, I just continue to be appalled by, um, how fast this is happening. Um, yeah, it feels, (laughs) I I feel a bit like a, a lobster thinking I'm in, I used to think I was maybe in the hot tub. Mm -hmm. Now it's starting to, it's getting a little uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, what's that lid doing there? Uh, not sure how we're going to get out of this one. <laughs> yeah, I uh I think um I think that this is just moving towards like banning of contraception, restriction of movement like you were saying, restriction mm-hmm. of goods. Um which is like I would think against like the commerce clause, but like it's it's they're going to try it. They're just going to keep trying and trying and mm-hmm. trying. Um yeah. and it's why like even if you find yourself pulled towards um, some Republican talking points, like, ooh, yeah, it's like, we don't want crime, or like, ooh, yeah, like, whatever whatever is speaking to you from, like, Republican, the, like, very sort of boiled down simple talking points that Republicans usually trot out around election mm-hmm. season, like, if you care about, there are lots of things that we could say in this moment, like, but just since we're talking about women's reproductive health, like, if you care about women having just the right to like safely make their own decisions with their medical providers like you cannot vote republican you just can't that's like that is no. it that's it <laughs> like, no and then, like if you're worried about like crime in the big picture then like invest in communities and education and resources yeah. and deal with poverty and inequity you know like so there's lots of reasons for you to stop doing what you're doing. I know Arnold Schwarzenegger filled a pothole 
Ugh. Did you see that? No. <laughs> no. It was like Arnold Schwartz. He he went and filled a pothole in his neighborhood. Or okay. He's like, I guess it's the only. And I'm like, I can see people being like, Oh my! Look at him. Look at him getting at his him hands go. dirty, rolling his sleeves up. Ooh, I would have vote for. <laughs> um, but I digress. Mm. Yeah, it's not. There's no justification for voting um, Republican. Um, right now so, I mean, <laughs> mm. to like state the obvious but it's really like, not also like I mean, maybe this will harm them in the long term or what were you gonna say mm-hmm. guns just oh <laughs> guns yeah god Ugh. environment healthcare, censorship and education mm-hmm. trans rights lgbtq rights Basically rights rights <laughs> period rights question mark <laughs> Um, regulations making people safe. Yeah. they're all just voting for the little fifis for the fiefs oh my god <laughs> you know what's funny too like the i was um in san antonio this past weekend um because my fiance's family lives there and love i actually i really like i mean san antonio is really cool and the people are really cool and super friendly and like i like it there um but so but we're, you know, having cocktail conversation and um, a couple of people were like, okay, so what, what, what is stopping you from moving <laughs> to Texas, from moving to San Antonio? And the polite, because it's like in the presence of, you know, you're not wanting to rock the boat. I was sort of like, even, you know, one margarita and I was like, just say the thing that is normal and not going to ruffle any feathers, which is like, well, the heat. I'm not, and that is true. That is true. But that is like not that wouldn't if I loved a place, you know. So I was like the heat, the heat, and then like two and a half margaritas later, you know. Yes. I was I was like the politics, um, this fucking <laughs> state. I'm not gonna come here when I'm pregnant. Um, but that is true. I was just and I was sort of like and people should know, <laughs> you know. But it's like yeah, cut to. I mean, but I was kind of like honestly. These decisions that feel like they happen in a bubble, they have real world impact, which is that like I will not be stepping foot in Texas when mm-hmm. I am pregnant under any circumstances. Like, but that that list of states, what's happening is that like that list of like will not step foot in the state for my own safety is growing and growing. Mm-hmm. Like, and also, by the way, if I'm even lucky enough to get pregnant, I'm just like, you know, that's like a whole given that I'm just like. Um, but basically like but that is something that like is very much in the forefront of my mind now like I'm not coming here and you should know the actual reason it's not the heat it's it's the politics it's my health yeah no absolutely it's um yeah it's it's crossed off my list as well Uh, (laughs) it's like you could if you get pregnant even if you want to be pregnant you could just die like we already have shitty maternal mortality, mm-hmm. um, particularly for women of color, and uh, don't need to throw anything else to, on that fire. You no, know? I mean, the ba- whole- they're like murdering people, basically. Yeah. Like, so, just murdering pregnant people. Um, the whole chilling effect of like doctors pro-life. who even want to help, like, but are afraid, like, they don't want to lose their license in Texas or. Georgia or Florida or North Mm -hmm. Dakota or, you know, I'm just going to start listing states. But, like, (laughs) I mean, 
And then there are going to be less people practicing gynecology and obstetrics there because they don't feel like they can have as much of an impact or they can't practice fully, Mm -hmm. which just means that there's going to be less and less people doing, trying to like help or do preventative care. And so there's just like, it's going to be deserts in in some of these places. And then there's going to be huge strain on the, the clinics that are closest to those places, which are, you know, servicing now double, triple, quadruple the amount of, of people that they would have before. Um, and then God forbid, like, you know, there's one election that swings towards Republicans in one of these states that's sort of like just holding down the fort. Like if in Indiana, you know, I think, I think there's still a clinic in Indiana or there, and there was one in Kentucky. I don't think there is anymore in Louisville. Um, you know, there's like these, there's one, and as soon as you get rid of it, suddenly, oh no, you, everyone has to go a day drive away. I mean, the, I think the distance for some people, like if you live in New Orleans, you have to drive like, I, I forget what it is, like like 500 miles or something to get to the closest clinic. You have to take off work. You have to get childcare if you already have kids. Like you have to find a, a place to stay. And then like, what if you need a follow-up appointment? What? It's just like so hostile. Yeah. No, it's, yeah, how do you get there? Like you said, most people who get abortions already have kids. Um, yeah, it's not, we're not in a good place right now, and it looks like we might be getting to a worse place, and hopefully we don't, and the people, um, the majority of Americans support, like, the right to choose. Um Yeah. <sighs> So hopefully, and those people are, you know, better and smarter. (laughs) So hopefully uh, logic and empathy can win. And maybe this will be a losing battle for Republicans because only 22% of people think that, um, you know, the the abortion medications should be illegal. 22%. Mm -hmm. Like, and that still feels like a high number because I think that's 22% assuming that those people don't face something where they need it and then they're going to immediately like want it for themselves. So I would knock that number down, but uh, hopefully it's just going to cause them to lose elections. So yeah, one can hope. One can hope. We'll see. (sighs) And now for we see you. So there are droughts that happen there are water shortages and surprise surprise there's not equity in who has access to that water not (laughs) even getting into clean water potable water just getting into access to to water Mm -hmm. um wealthy residents use 12 times more water than those with lower incomes um and the there are issues like indoor fountains, like massive flower gardens, multiple swimming pools, just this this excess, like this is leading to increasingly worse water crises in cities, like internationally. Um, like Moscow, Miami, Melbourne, 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 <laughs> Melbourne, um, are some of the most impacted in the last uh, ten years. Also, Cape Town, South Africa. Like, I'm sure Los Angeles. Just throwing it out there. Um, 
probably Calabasas is uh, is using more than its uh, share of water. And it's just, I understand people want nice things. I don't begrudge people living in Arizona or Texas wanting to have a swimming pool. Like, we're not, That's I understand that. But when you have places that are in active drought or have, you know, water restrictions, and then you have people with indoor water fountains just for display. And the thing is, even if you turn it off, you have a fountain. I don't know. Let's put chocolate in it. I don't know. Like, <laughs> make it a statue. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can deal without your fountain when it means that other families can have water to like drink and bathe with and things like that. And it's just, I'm so tired of the uber rich living in their bubbles because it's not just like, oh, they're naive and little rich babies doing their thing. Oh, they're silly. You know, it's like, no, it's really in so many different ways. It negatively impacts like everyone else um, mm-hmm. in the world. And there are millions of examples of that. But wa- like water <laughs> is essential to life in, in so many ways. It's a basic resource. It's a basic human need. And it's just like the perfect example of, how fucked things are and how inequitable it is when you have people that don't have clean water to drink or bathe with. And then you have people who have like multiple swimming pools and indoor fountains and like massive garden, you know, it's just, mm-hmm. it really gets my goat. Um, so yeah, we see you to those ignorant rich folk who are hoarding all the fucking resources. We see you. Senator Dianne Feinstein, senator from California. She's 89. We've talked about her before. You might remember she famously gave Senator uh, Lindsey Graham a hug after the uh, judiciary hearing of Brett Kavanaugh, where she said that this was, I want to thank him for like a very fair hearing. Um, And there was out you know outrage because it was like what the fuck are you talking about what the fuck are you talking about um so that was bullshit she just is and she has been um under scrutiny because it's been become very clear that she has dementia not like and unfortunately she is no longer fit to serve um, the millions and millions and millions of people who um, she's supposed to represent in California. She's absolutely unfit. She's relying on her staffers. They have a duty to um, be open about this. Like she's vacant. And there's right now she is like her vac. She's literally vacant because she has shingles and she is out. Um, and now like we're unable to confirm um justices judges which is what the senate judiciary committee is supposed to be doing and it's important and mitch mcconnell jammed through like three or four times the number of normal judges during his tenure with with trump so and we're seeing the repercussions of that so like she there needs to be a full judiciary committee and because she's not there they don't have a majority and no one can be like subbing in for her so this is just the business of the Senate Judiciary Committee has grinded to a halt. And Senator Dick Durbin said that <laughs> this week. Um, so honestly, like, I just agree with um, – so there's a um, – Representative Dean Phillips of Minnesota said 
Uh, Senator Feinstein is a remarkable American whose contributions to our country are immeasurable, but I believe it's now a dereliction of duty to remain in the Senate and a dereliction of duty for those who agree to remain quiet. Um, I absolutely agree with this. She's been a public servant for a long time, but it's extremely um, detrimental <laughs> to our country, to democracy, to like the fun- to the functioning, the bare minimum functioning of our fucking Congress that we at least be able to confirm judges like and and keep business rolling at the very slow creep that it already normally does in congress she has she has represented for a quite a long time but her t- her time is up she's 89 years old unfortunately she is ill and that is sad um but like I uh, she says that she remains committed to the job and will continue to work at home in San Francisco. Uh, no, 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 no. And I know I don't think she's even said that. I think it was her staff. Like she is not competent. I don't know how more forcefully to say this. Like I I I I know it sounds harsh, but like being one of fifty representatives of the Senate and being someone who is representing one of the biggest states in the country, maybe the biggest, California, like by population. Regardless, I think there's like forty million people who live in California. You represent those people. You're supposed they voted you in. You probably sh- you know you shouldn't have ran last time, but whatever. You know you have it's a it's a really. It's a duty, it's an honor that like if you are no longer able to serve competently, which you you haven't for a while, but like you absolutely aren't now, you are not even there. I hope you get better from shingles, but I want you to retire and like recover from that in the privacy of your own home after dedicated public service. But like don't make this any harder. Don't make me be any harsher on you, Diane Feinstein. But like I this is just this is upsetting. This is unacceptable. Get the hell out of there. Like we see you. <laughs> Yeah, it's, I know, it's hard to know, like, how are we going to, it's interesting, there's nothing in place to stop someone from being in office if while they're in office, they are no longer fit to serve, or at least that those mechanisms aren't being used, you know, because I don't, if, you know, if she has dementia, like, she's probably not gonna, like, be like, yeah, I'm gonna stop this and go do something else. It's like, there needs to be the ability for competent, um, you know, like, cognitively intact people to make those decisions. But then there's a slippery slope, I guess, of, like, when can we rely on checks and balances, you know? Mm -hmm. But then it's like, we have to do something. I don't know. It's, um, it's a tangled web, but yeah, she, I, I hope she recovers from shingles as well. It's a painful thing to go through, but if you can't, you know, fulfill the duties of your office, it's not fair to the people you're supposed to be representing. So anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Agreed. Hopping over to Ariana Grande, not, she's not being seen. Um, (laughs) I don't know when we're going to get over the idea that we need to just ruthlessly comment on women's bodies Mm. um you know so she ariana grande ended up making um a video on tiktok addressing the fact that she's been getting so many so many so many um comments talking about how she's too skinny um and 
and all this shit. And we know Ariana Grande has so many, has such a following. Um, very, 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 very public, uh, public eye. And the amount of comments she was getting, some of them like kind of concern trolling, you know, like, are you okay? And then some of them just being like outright, like rude and fucked up. Um, and she made a statement saying that the body that they've been comparing her current body to was the unhealthiest version of her body. She was on a lot of antidepressants, drinking on them, eating poorly, was at the lowest point of her life when she looked the way people consider um, to look healthy. And it wasn't, in fact, her healthy. So mm. it's it's not it's not OK to to comment on women's bodies at the end of the day you know yeah yeah like if if you know someone you can tell them like oh you look beautiful or like you know sure but like the way we feel like entitled to publicly comment on the like celebrity body changes um and things like that is just not not appropriate not cool it doesn't send good messages to young girls you know young people um consuming media either mm-hmm. um so you don't need to worry about ariana grande or anyone else like mm-hmm. you you can't just like you can't look at somebody who is bigger has a bigger body and say they're not healthy you can't look at you can't look at anyone and make any declarations about their health and it's also none of your fucking business mm-hmm. um so think what you want to think Go nuts in your brain. You know, you can think whatever you want, but like, let's think about the repercussions of our words. And, you know, women are more than, than our bodies. So, yeah. So hush. Hush. Um, perfect uh, segue to my second We See You, which is um, Suzanne Seddon, um, who is a like, quote unquote, gender critical uh, woman mm. in thinker in the uk um and she tweeted very very ugly thing she um tweeted a picture of daniel radcliffe and uh daniel radcliffe's girlfriend um his partner her name is aaron dark and uh so suzanne said and tweeted a picture of them and said this is daniel radcliffe's girlfriend now what do you see with like the smat like the like emoji of like a face that's like kind of like sagging and sad um basically implying the implication was and then there was a conversation around it that like his girlfriend is uh trans because i guess because she's taller than him like you know like it was just sort of like because like why are we like i mean the the conversation is so incredibly dumb that like i feel dumb even engaging with the stupidity um but it's obviously just yeah it's um transphobic and this um another person I just am quoting her on because I thought she explained it well she said Suzanne brilliantly demonstrates here how exactly uh, or exactly how transphobia is also based in misogyny how it's all about unattainable and oppressive standards and actually has not has nothing to do with trans women at all which I feel like you know, it's sort of like it manages to both be just like body shaming and terrible to like women generally. And it's also transphobic um, and ugly and just like vicious and shitty and stupid and mean um, all, all at once. Um, and 
you know, this, this person, you know, she is a TERF, trans exclusionary radical feminist, um, but, you know, they use the term, they also like to use the term uh, gender critical. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I, I guess I just wanted to call it out because it's, like, makes me sad. It's um, everyone who she was tweeting at, like, even though it seems confused, it might seem like, oh, maybe she didn't mean that. It was, like, people, the people, her followers knew exactly uh, what she was talking about as evidenced by all the comments, um, all the, like, vicious comments, which are kind of, like, their own we see you. Um, Daniel Radcliffe has actually been with, also, this doesn't really matter, but it's just kind of, like, he's been with his girlfriend since, like, 2012, and, like, in March, they announced that they were expecting, and it's just kind of, like, I don't know. I, I just, like, the ugliness of this one is, like, it's, like, mean, it's hateful, it's, um, I don't know. It's like all the negative things just like, and it like makes my heart hurt. So I was just kind of, and it's like now like you're just like bashing a pregnant woman calling, saying she like just being, being super mean and body shamey and just all sorts of things. So just like, I mean, I guess kudos to uh, Suzanne Seddon for like being a we see you that manages to just like have an umbrella of bad shit that she is implying with her tweet. So yeah, we see you to Suzanne Sutton. <laughs> yeah. Mm, nothing, nothing good about, nothing good about, about that. Um, I feel like I often will see like little blurbs about Elon Musk and Twitter and things. And I, I'm going to need to dive deeper into some of those, but one that I did take a peek at, <laughs> um, is the fact that they Twitter labeled NPR state affiliated media, which is the same yeah. label, yeah, that it assigns to um, countries who have prop like propaganda outlets in Russia and China. Um, mm. For instance, they're they assign that to NPR, um, and then when Elon Musk was asked about how NPR functioned and why this happened. Um, he said, Oh, maybe I got it wrong. And then they changed the label on the account to government funded media, but mm. that's also not accurate. Um, it's NPR is a nonprofit company. They're independent. Um, they receive less than 1% of its annual budget from, corporation for public broadcasting which is federally funded so they went from just like blatant basic basically like saying that they're a propaganda outlet to calling them government funded which implies mm-hmm. a coziness um that isn't there and it's so shady um and as a result npr doesn't isn't gonna post um to its 52 twitter feeds and they're the first major news organization that's going silent on twitter um Mm. so elon musk i have i have to think uh (laughs) that you are a terrible buffoon and it's uh, we see you to elon musk and to twitter uh, once yeah. again and like side eye to that whole situation because like i said <laughs> yeah. pop up and i'm like what's what's going on over there um 
Yeah. But for this one, we see you. We see you. I'm so glad you called that out because I remember seeing that. And I didn't know that NPR and all those affiliated channels are now not on or like not posting that. That's a big deal. Like, well done, Elon. You broke something that like, you know, uh, once again, so sad. Like, so sad. I, uh, yeah. All right. Final We See You is um, Texas uh, Representative Brian Slayton. Um, who basically has, he's a conservative who has called, uh, drag shows, grooming events that sexualize children. Um, well, turns out that, um, he's accused of having an inappropriate relationship with a young intern. Um, basically the accusation is that he's invited an intern to his home late on weekend nights and has served her alcohol, even though she isn't old enough to legally drink. Um, so yeah, um, this has been, um, it's an official complaint, um, and is with the house general investigative committee. Um, and yeah, this is, uh, inappropriate, um, behavior with an intern who's under 21. Um, he had her over at 10 PM on a Friday, invited her to his apartment where he served her alcohol. Um, and then, uh, apparently also bizarrely, he showed the intern fake emails that claimed to have information about the, about, um, like an incident in an apparent loyalty test and told her to not tell anyone about the incident. It's like, what? Um, Anyway, this guy's 45, and, um, yeah, he's been introducing bills to ban drag shows and um, has, like, liked to talk about, um, you know, the LGBTQ community as, like, grooming children. Um, the state has a duty to protect kids from being sexually exploited, he said. Um, so, you know, and he's, so he's using all this language while being, like, an inappropriate at, at a minimum uh, kind of guy himself. So, uh, you know... We see you, Representative yeah, we, Brian Slayton. We see you, Bri Bri. Um, God, fucking creeps. Yeah. Uh, good thing yeah. uh, Washington State Senate passed a ban on the sale and manufacture of assault weapons. Hey, I love it. Yeah, so, you know, on the, I mean, Washington State does has some good, some good elected officials and some good some good peeps in the mix over there for sure like thinking Thank back you. to the the guidance on the fepristone <laughs> yeah. and uh, and this as well so washington way to go um to go. and it's nice to see meaningful legislation regarding gun control some happening you know mm-hmm. um we need to do more everywhere we need to do yeah we need to go beyond banning assault um, weapons, but it is an impactful, important thing that's sh- been shown to work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just conjecture. So, yay. Yay. Oh, that is good. That's good. Well, all right. That about wraps it for us. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all righty, oh. Rue. It feels like, even though this one's, it's the same kind of length as normal but it feels like we really packed a lot into this one maybe that's why i'm like whoa we've covered a lot yeah a lot of you know a lot of a lot of hot tops a lot of sad frustrating um sometimes enraging topics yeah seriously 
All right. Well, Feminist Without Mystique is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts.